Alfie on fresh record. In three, two, one. Hello, it's another NL full-time. Hope you've all avoided Storm Dennis. I know a few of us are stuck in it now, but it affected a lot of the National League football on Saturday. We'll see who's been spreading the love and who got dumped on this Valentine's weekend. Joining me to discuss all that and becoming a temporary weatherman are Rob Worrell. Hello, Rob. Hello. <laughs> You're... You're in the eye of the storm as we speak, aren't we? I think the worst of the wind's over, but the rain's still hammering down, boys. That's Rob Worrell back to the studio. <laughs> uh, we've also got nicely warm and dry. We've got Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Good morning, Luke. Um, Rob, can we send you to those locations like we send the weather people when it's like stood right on the edge of the coast and stuff? There's big waves are coming in. That that would be interesting. Uh, no, I was actually at a game yesterday. So, um, yeah, good morning, everyone. Chris was the only one of us to get to a game on Saturday. Another person who was sat at home. I went, well, were you twiddling your thumbs, Dicky? Uh, yeah, a little bit, yeah. We, we did get out of the house for for a little while, but mostly it was kind of staying indoors and just looking at what was happening in the games that did take place, yeah. So, uh, a bit frustrating, a uh, bit of a different Saturday, but um, yeah. Listeners, I've got to tell you this, the NL full-time WhatsApp group yesterday was full of Jeff Stelling and Jeff Frazier impressionists. Honestly, it was painful as we all tried to let each other know what was going on and who could read our flash scores app or live score quicker than the other. It was awful, but we really were twiddling them, weren't we, Lou? Yeah, clutching at straws, weren't we? We were all shouting scores out to each other, innit? It annoyed you eventually, didn't it, Rob? <laughs> <laughs> it did it, it did a bit, Lou, because I swear there was about four on the trot where I'd just seen and read about something and then I got bing... Oh, okay. I'll see and read about it from Luke as well. <laughs> I forgot you had your flash scores app up, but some of us don't have it as a as late as scores. So I'll just letting the others know. Yeah, bless you. Thanks <laughs> for your thought there, Luke. I mean, to but, be fair, they often ping up so quickly that you tell you see a goal, you share it, and then hang on a minute, no correction. It hasn't been given. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, next time I, I won't bother. You know, so <laughs> um, just talking about the weather, though, we were just talking about this before we went on air, didn't we? About the storm, Dennis actually hasn't been quite as bad as forecast in some places, and I think the main discussion to come out of it was was the distance. A lot, of, a few teams called games off on Friday. There was a lot off in the National League. Only three games went ahead, which we'll get to shortly. But I think. Do you think some of them had the fingers burnt from Storm Kira last week? And, and, you know, they didn't want to take a risk. A lot was citing health and safety. A lot was citing, like, re- league safety regulations and things like that. Yeah, I, I think so, Luke. I think there's a lot of variables and a lot of circumstances. And um, without being too cynical, I think football often, who you play and when you play them, it's all about timing as well. So... I, I think some tremendous efforts were made in some cases. You know, Jorking, um, Wanderers getting their game on, will come to review the games, obviously, in a bit. You know, never had a feeling that that wouldn't take place. And yet other games within 20, 30 miles of that didn't take place yesterday. And uh, where there are other influencing factors, maybe, just maybe, it was one of those rare weeks where, 
you might be able to use the words health and safety uh, in lieu of uh, getting a game on you didn't really want to get on. And sometimes that might have been for footballing reasons. Sometimes it might have been for financial reasons. I don't want to be too cynical about it. Obviously, we can never argue when people are on the side of caution. But I remember the good old days when you got the ball down on the mud, on the snow, and you cracked on with it, you know. Uh, Chris, are you old... Chris, are you old enough to remember those days as well? Oh, well, I can remember the orange balls and the mud baths and, uh, yeah, all that sort of thing. No, definitely. <laughs> While you guys get out your Werther's Originals and carry on your stories, I'm going to uh, move on. <laughs> well, well, anyway, hats off to those groundsmen, those unsung heroes who, who did get the games on yesterday because uh, I think they deserved an extra pint in the bar at the end of the game. Yeah, well, funny enough, I spoke to uh, Ian Herring next week because I'll reveal why later on. But he basically said that the ga- their game shouldn't have been on yesterday, but they did, and he was thankful that no one got injured. But we'll find out what happened in his game later on. But let's look at the National League now. Only three games in it, and we'll start off with the teams who were nearest the top. So that was Bromley. Can we call them out of form now, Bromley, guys? Because... They lost again at Stockport County. Game the first win since they came under new ownership. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, yesterday, what, watching Bromley, Luke, um, they don't seem that far off to me. I know that w- what you were saying about uh, the form and everything, and the form table doesn't lie because they're probably bottom of the form table in the National League at the moment. But for me, they're not far off. They had some outstanding performances. I thought Luke Coulson was excellent yesterday. There's some really good performances there. What I would say is that the Michael Cheek looked a bit out of sorts and a bit off form yesterday. I had a couple of chances where you would expect him to have uh, to put it away if, if he was on form. He don't look too far away. Yeah, and uh, after the game, Chris caught up with the Bromley manager, Neil Smith. OK, I'm John Van Neil Smith. I mean... Terrible weather conditions, unfortunate result at the end of the day. It was a tough game, wasn't it? It was always going to be tough, you know, with the, with the conditions, you, you know, when you've got it, you know, balls are running away from you or if you're against it, you know, you can't get it forward. But I thought we, we handled both situations really well, I thought, and, and especially the second half. I know we, we've let a goal in, but I thought uh, some of the play, some of the build-up build play and in the shots, you know, I thought their keeper was outstanding, obviously. Defenders throwing themselves in the end of in the front of things and you know, I think they've had two or three in the whole of the game um, so very disappointed in that respect but you know the boys have just given me everything they've, they've got in the tank You kept them quiet in the first half you silenced the crowd in the second half it was a bit more open was it was it a plan to keep it tight in that that first stage? Obviously you know when, when you come away to a, a team like Stockport and um, you know they have got the fantastic support like they've got coming to this you know this, this ground as well you you want to you want to silence the supporters but you want to you want to make sure that you you go give yourself a chance just just really disappointed with the result so in terms of your season now um, obviously you started so well dropped off in recent weeks what's the target now the target was always at the beginning of the season to be in and around the playoffs and that, and that's still our target you know I always wanted to better ourselves from last season we came 10th last season 60 points I want to better that this year um, and that's, that's still my target but while you're in and around the playoffs and mathematically and games and everything else I know people have got games in hand over us and stuff like that but you know they've got to go and win them and, and I think you've, you've just seen anybody can beat anybody in this division it's very tough it's very gruelling and, and relentless and um, you know the, the boys have given everything up until then and we'll, we'll keep on going right till the end of the season now, I just might heard you mention Coulson in the previous interview he was immense today wasn't he? he was fantastic and he has been he has been all season 
Um, he's, he's shown his quality. We got him at, just, you know, just before Christmas last season, and he's been unbelievable. And he just seems to be getting better and better. And as I say, you know, with that effort right at the end, if it had gone in, I think that it would have been a fitting um, end to a game, letting him score that goal. Because uh, I thought from the first minute to the last minute, he was involved in everything that was good about Bromley Football Club today. Thanks for talking to us, Neil. Safe journey. That was Neil Smith, and he basically echoed. Uh, what you said there, Chris. Rob, do you want to come in on that as well? Yeah, I mean, it's a strange one. I, I have to be fair here. I haven't seen Bromley play in the last few weeks. I've had the odd report um, you know, through a friend who's been at a couple of them. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just shows you how fine the margins are at this league. Bromley, bottom of the form table, no winning six, five defeats. Uh, and Chris looks at them against a decent Stockport County side yesterday and says... They're not far off it. Um, at the end of the day, one poor half, one really exciting half, and one chance taken. It went Stockport's way on the day. Um, I just wanted to come to you really, Chris, about Bromley and say this. They started off the season tremendously. And yeah, there have been some injuries which Neil Smith had to kind of act upon. Um but it does seem to me that he's been continually trying to improve it and bring bring in reinforcements. And has he possibly overchanged it? Have they have they lost something that they had at the start of the season through the number of changes in personnel, perhaps? Yeah, I think I think you could argue that. I think you certainly could argue that. But to me, they didn't look like a disjointed side. I think that if you uh, you make that many changes, sometimes you you can look at teams and think, well, they're not playing as a team. They don't look like they know each other. Um, but they did certainly have a game plan yesterday. I mean, one of the guys that he has brought in, Billy Bingham, came on yesterday as a substitute. As soon as um, County scored the first goal. And he hit this dipping volley that looked like it was destined for the top corner until it was tipped over by uh, Ben Hinchcliffe. So there are signs that the people he has got in are, um, are looking all right. Absolutely. Well, the winning goal scorer for Stockport County was a new scorer who surprisingly joined the club this week. Because on Tuesday, he played for Salford City against Tom's beloved Plymouth Argyle, a game that Plymouth won. And then Thursday, he rocked up at Stockport County, it was Liam Hogan, Salford's captain, and I think that sent a few shockwaves through the, through well, through everywhere in general, certainly on Salford's Twitter, a lot of the fans are really upset, a lot of questions, are actually questioning Gary Neville personally, so it, it seems quite a surprising signing, but he got the winning goal in the end, didn't he, on Saturday? He did, and do you know what, it took him a little while to settle in, I would say it took him the first half to settle in, but then that was, uh, that was true of a lot of players yesterday. But in the second half, he was he was absolutely immense. Look, I can't talk about what's gone on at Salford, but he was in the right place at the right time on the far post to score his goal. He made a crucial block from from Michael Cheek, and he was a leader. He was chatting to people the whole way through the game, and considering it was his first game, I think that is a real statement signing for, for Stockport County. A signing of intent, a bit like the two and a half. He's got a two and a half year deal. Also with a two-and-a-half-year deal, he was injured yesterday, but Lois Maynard, who played last week. And I think with the Mark Stock takeover that's happened in the last um, few weeks, it was a real crucial win yesterday. But strangely, I think it's brought an element of calmness to Stockport County fans. And I'll tell you why, because 
ever since I've been going along to Stockport County, there's been this eagerness to get back in the Football League. You know, we are an ex-Football League club. We should be back up there. We need to get back up there as soon as possible. And I think this has brought an element of calmness because certainly with these signings, what people have seen is that um, the players that they're bringing in are proven quality. And if that carries on, it's going to be a matter of when and not if Stockport County get back in the, in the uh, in the football league in the EFL, and I think consequently people are, are beginning to get a little bum, bit more relaxed about it. And um, I mean, and that's why yesterday I think was was so important to to get that get, get that first win. They're only a point off the playoffs now, but as Jim Gannon said yesterday in his post match interview, he mentioned that if you look. County have played uh, more games than anyone, I think, apart from Bromley, who they played yesterday. So that needs to even itself out. And um, and yeah, I think you know, I think things are certainly looking good at Stockport County. And Chris caught up with the winning goal scorer and new signing Liam Hogan after the game. So Liam, what an absolute dream debut! Yeah, winning goal, Cheadle the end. How did that feel? Yeah, it was fantastic, and I've just spoke about. Obviously, it was uh, all down to. The boys in the play earning that corner, you know, winning the first flick on, and it was uh, an easy job for me, sort of back stick. And uh, yeah, I mean, if, as things go, it's obviously a nice way to start your career at a new place positively, but it is only a start. And obviously, we'll all be judged at the end of this season and at the end of, you know, even my time that I'm going to be here. But yeah, it's a positive one to start with, and it's a massive, massive three points against a very tough tie in tough conditions today. So, really happy. Is that a position you like to put yourself in on the far post, just in case anything does get there? To be honest, quite a lot of the goals from last year come from the back stick, but funny, football's obviously a funny game, and my return to Salford this season started with a goal. and you know, my new debut here at Stockport started with a goal, so I'd love to contribute a few more because I know that that will contribute into us winning more points. But still, at the other end, with you know the boys, Ash, Sam, Dan Cowan, and Ben, some fantastic saves. You know, it's Jordan and for all the lads. To be fair, uh, it's a fantastic and it's a team game. Um, so at both ends, we got right today, really, and uh, it's, yeah, it's a fantastic three points. What's encouraged you to make the move across Greater Manchester? Um, I've just sort of said that I, I, I didn't want to compare the two clubs because you know they're indifferent and Stockport have been in their position of being higher up in the league's massive club, uh, massive fan base, and I just sort of saw um, from speaking to Simon and from hearing from what Mark's going to be doing with the club, it just matches my ambitions still as a, as a player and I want to bring what I've learnt in sort of those roles at my other couple of clubs I've been at in similar positions Fleetwood places like that that have sort of moved through the leagues and to bring to to the dressing room because there's a fantastic group in there so obviously I want to add, add quality where I can One thing to mention Chris is uh, there's a bit of a pattern emerging in that the signing players who've got them promoted i.e. from Salford City yeah, well, I mean, they're not just proven at Salford, though. They're proven in uh, a lot of places, aren't they? Uh, these are players of, of sheer quality, and um, I think one thing that they're really keen to do... Now, they've got a director of football in as well, don't forget, at Stockport County, so they're really keen to make sure that the players that are coming in are a significant improvement on um, on, on what is already there. And, you know, Jim Gannon's very loyal to what brought him up from the, the National League North, but, the, you know, these, these are players who have bought into what what county are trying to achieve and um and uh, and it's it's beginning to show but before i move from stockport county i do have to mention akito aoki you may have seen him 
on um, BBC wrote an article about him yesterday, but he's a young lad from Tokyo who came all the way over yesterday, so fortunately Storm Dennis didn't scupper his plans. He's in Stockport for the week, he's been taken in by the locals, he's been taken around the local pubs, and he got into Stockport County playing FIFA <laughs> back in Japan, and uh, he's fallen in love with the club, he's got a Stockport County Japan Twitter account and everything, so uh, just to say that... Um, in these times of, uh, of difficulty with people not getting on with each other and social media being being a bad thing, which it can quite often be, in this case, social media has brought uh, Akito Aoki to Stockport and he's been taken in as a as a bit of a legend by the, by the locals. So uh, well done, Akita, for making it yesterday. Yeah, definitely. Fant- fantastic dedication. The other game, one of the other games that took place in the National League was the chasing pack were involved. Notts County took on Woking and Max Kretschmar gave Woking the lead and then ironically on <laughs> the day of all days that we call Storm Dennis up pop Notts County's own Storm Dennis Christian Dennis to blow away the two points for Woking Yeah and I think if that had been the only goal of the game and he'd won it for Notts County I think we would have had to go with the menace of Dennis uh, as the uh, podcast title but uh, I guess as an equaliser it wasn't to be doesn't fully tell the story of that match. Uh, I listened to some quite brilliant commentary of it, actually. I have to say, one of my BBC colleagues, Gav Dennison, the man I sat alongside for years, I got the opportunity to listen in to him yesterday, and he's still so, so good non-league. I'm lucky to have him. Um, and uh, there was a few twists and turns. Woken, in many respects, given the chances they had, might have got even all three points, but Notts County having stayed in the game, having got back into the game like they've done so many times this season. Um, they got level and, and, and they had a really, really good shout for a penalty late on as well after one of their players got through on goal and uh, uh, Moussa Diara apparently took him out. It was, uh, in many people's eyes, a stonewaller, but it wasn't given and uh, ultimately the referees ended up taking the headlines in that one. Um, Notts County still well positioned, aren't they, to push for those playoffs and Woking, well, you know, just you just have to doff your cap to them, the fact that they're even anywhere near close to the playoffs still, um, after a horrendous run in the middle of the season. And uh, they're trying to come again, aren't they? Douse is trying to rally the troops, get fresh faces in, and what a morale-boosting uh, performance that must have been for them yesterday at Notts County. Yeah, if Woking finish top 10, they'll be absolutely delighted with that, won't they? All right, they'll be disappointed because they were up there at the start of the season. But if you offered Alan Dowson 10th place now, he'd snap your hands off, I think. Ah, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I completely agree with all the logic in that, Luke. But you have to say this. If you're um, a manager or a player you know, of a team that with, what, 12 games or whatever of the season to go are on the verge of the playoffs, then, um, you know, you, you you don't want to rule them out, do you? Like, uh, Stockport and Jim Gannon doesn't want to rule it out. He obviously wants to manage expectations. I don't know. I think I think Dow's probably hasn't quite given up his hope yet, and that's testimony to the guy. So at the bottom, there was a big game played out between Ebbsfleet and Charlie. They managed to get the win in the end, Ebbsfleet. And thanks to Nathan Holt on Twitter, who informed us that that's eight points in four league games now, two clean sheets, two goals conceded, and they're up to 22nd. And there was an important penalty save by goalkeeper David Gregory in that game. And there's a, fo- uh, there's a video on Twitter after of him 
as soon as the full-time whistle goes, he goes crazy, David Gregory, and he's, he's running over to the fans and they're hugging him. And It feels like a momentum changer, even though they've beaten the side below and they've kept Charlie at arm's length and they've got a little run going now, haven't they? Yeah, the most important thing, they've got some momentum and, and points-wise, they're not too far adrift. We were all pretty much in agreement a week or two ago that pretty much absolutely and surely were going. But, you know, that game yesterday was a must-win in many ways for both sides. It looked very much with the, with the award of that uh, relatively late penalty that it would end in a draw that wouldn't have done either team any good. But by saving it, uh, saving a penalty would have felt like scoring the winning goal for David Gregory yesterday. And Ebbsfleet are not too far. I think five points off of um, you know a position outside the bottom four now. And of course, as we well know and we discuss week in, week out, um, it might be that fourth bottom keeps you up this season, uh, depending on what happens with Berry FC. It's so frustrating for so many people and teams and fans concerned that, that no decision is being communicated on that but I can only presume it's because the National League cannot make a decision until they hold their AGM Uh, do you concur guys? Well I I think there's I think it's a lot more complicated than that actually Rob I noticed that yesterday Barry um Barry had, had failed to pay some of the the debtors as part of the agreement that they, that they were involved with as well yesterday. So I think there's a there's a whole host of stuff going on with uh, with Barry that might affect that any decision that would be made as well by by the National League or by any other uh, by any other league for for that matter. So I think this this will carry on right up until the, the last minute actually. But yeah, in, incredibly frustrating for for everyone involved or everyone around that area. And for Chorley, boys, I mean, Dickie's there as well. You watched Chorley a lot last season on the up. And and Chris, both of you really, does that pretty much symbolise the beginning of the end now? Yeah, I think it does. I think it's going to be, well, it's going to be... It'd be the great escape, wouldn't it, if they if they did get out of it from here. Especially if you look at the form of of your Ebbs fleets, even your Chesterfields and your Dagenham and Redbridges in recent weeks, who seem to be who seem to be picking up, but surely just don't seem to be picking up at the moment. What I will say on Chorley is that I fully respect the way that they've gone about this National League campaign. It hasn't been successful, but they haven't put themselves in difficulty by spending above the means. The fans have stuck with them uh, right the way through. They have had a few additions. Naughty, naughty. They've got Chris Holroyd in, uh, for example. They've got Scott Scott Duxbury on loan, but they haven't spent beyond the means. And I think it'll it'll set them in good stead for a, a good season in the in the National League North. Um, if you know, look, there's still a chance. But if they, if they do go down next season, and um, I think they'll probably enjoy going to new grounds and all that sort of thing. And when they do come back up again next time, they'll they'll know what it's about. I think as well. I think as well. Adam Virgo mentioned it. There's, there's always a good. There's a good relegation. There's a good way to get relegated. And I think Charlie have done that. Like like Chris says, they've gone out. The managers kept the faith. They've kept uh, positive, haven't they? And in the end, it's probably just not going to happen for them. But it's not through the want of trying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, it's difficult. I mean, I compare them to Stockport in that I think both the promoted teams um, try to be. Uh, faithful to the, the players that had taken them there, and in, in Stockport's case, it, it worked, and then they've they've now got a bigger platform to build on, obviously with the takeover. In Chorley's, it, it didn't quite happen, unfortunately. Um, and 
Yeah, I think their last win was something like the 30th of November now, and it's only three draws in the last 10 league games. So there's just no momentum there with either with Chorley. Chris mentioned the greatest game, I think it would be absolutely miraculous. But, um, you know, I do hope, I'm not going to sound like they're writing them off, but we are really. You know, the, I hope the supporters and everybody involved with the club has kind of enjoyed the ride and, you know, takes what they can from it and, and use it to sort of build again in the future and I know it's difficult you know you get promoted you think you know you've achieved something fantastic but you know it's going to be hard and I think probably it's just proven to be exceptionally hard you look at, if you look at their uh, record they've drawn 14 games uh, but they've only won four so they've, they've been they've not been far off you know if you change if they converted four or five of them to wins They've got 26 points, so it's not like we're talking about a team who've got 10 or 11 that you sometimes see in, in uh, National League seasons. Um, so I don't think they've done that badly. If they could have just pushed on and got those, an extra goal in a few of those games, the, the pitch would have been very difficult, uh, different. So they haven't been a huge amount off the pace. Yeah, they've not... They've not been bat- They've not been really battered in many games, have they? I think there's only been a couple of games where they conceded more than three goals. I think the bedrock of their success last season was that they were that hard to beat and they, they didn't really have a prolific goal scorer. I don't think they had anybody who, who got more than about 15 for them last season at the most. At a, at a, without checking that out, I'm fairly sure that's the case. Um, and that's probably what's come back to haunt them this season. You've mentioned all those drawn games there, Chris. If you just had somebody who could you know, put a few more goals away for them... Um, uh, it, you know that get out of jail card that, that that a team needs, but they've not had that. They've not had that person who's been a real game breaker for them. Somebody who can um, turn those one points into three, um, and then ultimately, you know, them them being hard to beat. Unfortunately, when they have gone a goal down, and I'm not sure they've they've had enough to get back into games. Well, we'll uh, obviously we'll see how that pans out as the season goes on. Right, we're going to move on to the National League North now. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. So in the National League North, Jimmy Shan left Kidderminster last Monday. By Wednesday, it had been announced that he'd taken charge of Solihull Moors. And Russ Penn took charge on Tuesday. It's the third time he's been in caretaker charge and he joins us now. Hello, Russ. I'm like you, OK? Yeah, we're great. I mean, you must be delighted. You were kind of thrown into the position again for the third time and you've had two really tough away games at Farsley and Gateshead and got four points out of it. Yeah, listen, um, these things happen in football. Um, managers come and go. I think this time on a personal note, it feels more of a job because I've been given to the end of the season. Um, in the past, it's been given to me on like a, a game basis, knowing that there's another manager coming through the door. Um, so we sat down with the board on Monday night and just said, look, it's yours to the end of the season. Um, get the results and we'll, and we'll go from there. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty full throttle this week and uh, fortunately we've got four good points. Do you think this time, like you say, it feels like um, you, you've learned so much that you can, if you're giving it permanently, you can take it on? I think so. Look, I've been running long enough. Um, I've learned a lot from the last, uh, the previous two managers and, and all the managers that I've played for. Um, yeah, okay, I'm young um, on the coaching side, but what is experience nowadays? I've played a lot of games in my career, playing with a lot of managers, so I feel I'm ready um, with the right support around me. 
Yeah, and obviously you've, you've been working with Jimmy Shan, a man who was working in the championship last year. I mean, that must be, you must have learnt so much off him in the short time he was there. Yeah, definitely. Um, look, I played under managers who were managing the Premiership, Championship and international stage and, you know, some of the sessions they put on, it's great. It's more, what you learn from the top managers is, is more how professional they are and uh, how disciplined they are. Um, you know, you can put sessions on at any level up and down the country, but, I think the managers separate themselves by how disciplined and professional they are on a day-to-day basis. And what's your style of play going to be like? I know you said after Farsley, that's not how you want to play. I'm guessing the last two games, you just kind of had to assess assess the conditions, the pitch and everything, and just kind of dig in, in a way. Well, yeah, look, we've had Storm Kiara on Tuesday, we had Storm Dennis yesterday, <laughs> so our style of play doesn't look fantastic at the moment, mate, so I hope no one watches the DVD, put it that way. <laughs> um, but look, but look, Kidderminster are known for being a good football team, I think we've got to balance it out in, in, in still wanting to play, but also knowing the level, and um, you know, we, we want to get out of this level in the next year or so, um, and that's, um, that's where we're looking for in the future. Yeah, and obviously, uh, say the fans, there were 63 of them made the trip yesterday, uh, Brave Souls. You've had some good support over the last couple of games as well. We have, and we always will. And when the results come back, um, the, the home crowd will pick up. It's it's always been the same at Kidderminster. Um, you know, I, I played at Kidderminster, I signed there 15 years ago, and, and, a, and a good four and, a half, four and a half years there at the club. And, you know, there's still the same people rooting me on. Um and appreciate their support up and down the country. Yeah, I mean, how have they, has the reaction from the fans been good? Have they been really behind you? Have you had people coming up to you saying that they, like, they're willing you on in a way? Yeah, I've had loads of positiveness. Um, I think the club's been a bit of a, a laughing stock the last uh, 12 months, really, in terms of the, the turnaround of managers and, and no stability to the club. And if we want to get to where we want to be, we need we need that structure and and, you know, a manager that people can look on and, you know, who's there for the short, medium and long term, really. Russ, is, is Chris here. I've, I've interviewed you a couple of times at, at Stockport County when you've been up there in, in the past after, after matches high. And, um, I mean, Kidderminster is obviously a club that that means a lot to you. You've, you've, you've been back to them back and forward throughout your career. You, you're now there, you're now uh, sort of an interim manager there. What I mean, what does the club mean to you? It's obviously a big club. It's a huge club in non-league terms, definitely. Uh, um, why is it? What, what's Kidderminster got that that, that, uh, that keeps you going back? Um, well, first things first, I'm, I'm, I'm a local boy. I'm, I'm from around uh, the Dudley area, so I'm only 10 minutes down the road. And they gave me my first professional contract when I was 19, when I come out of youth team football. Um, when they got relegated from the league, I signed when they were in the conference in 2005. Had four fantastic years there. Got to the FA Trophy final. Um, built up some really good relationships, and uh, and they sold me to a league club, which I'll, I'll you know I'll forever be grateful for. Um, always kept in touch. You know, like I said, the directors, the managers, chairmen. I've always been in good touch with them. Being a local lad. And he just fitted the bill. Uh, you know, I come to play last season for the last six months on an 18-month contract. And then in the summer, I got offered the role of an assistant, which I thought at my age and with the coaching badges I got, I felt it was just the time was right. Um, never thought in 10 months' time I'd be given the manager's job, but hey-ho, that's football. 
I was going to say, Russ, I think when we spoke earlier in the season, I asked you about that still playing, and I think you said you were still registered, but um, yeah. you know, you kind of felt that time has gone now. I'm guessing now with the managerial responsibilities, that that's definitely off the agenda now, is it? Yeah, it has, and, and I think it was then, um, to be fair. I, I haven't really um, trained a lot this season. I think if you want to do a job properly in full-time football, because that's what we are, we're still a full-time club, if you want to do it right, you've, you've really got to give your, your life to it, really, and I don't think, um, now others might have a different opinion, but I don't think I could have played and done the role I've been doing uh, this season to give myself the best chance in the future. Um, and that's where, you know, that's what my opinion is anyway. And I'm, I read your, uh, your piece in the non-league paper this morning as well, which was uh, very insightful. And, you know, you, you, you said about this, um, you didn't necessarily expect this to come when it did, but you've been doing your coaching badges and everything for, for quite a long time by the sound of things. Yeah, I started my coaching badges when I was in uh, mid-20s. Uh, it was always something I wanted to do after football. I wanted to stay in, uh, in the game. And then as I got older, um, I wanted to stay in the men's game. Um, I did my A licence when I was 31. And, you know, just, just keep up to date with CPD and SA uh, duties and what have you. And knowing if this, if this chance did come, I was well prepared. Um, and, and that was my advice to any footballer. Do your badges while you're in the game. Because when you're out of the game, you know, it's... it's it's a two to five year window to get all the badges you want now. Yeah, and I guess it, once you're out, it's hard to get back in, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing I always say, you know, it's, it's easy to get a job when you're in football than when you're out of football. You know, you know your name's quickly forgotten in this game. Um, the turnaround of players and managers is is, is, is unbelievable, really, and, and silly at times, but that's the nature of the beast we're in at the moment. So, what's your, what's your kind of um, aspiration for the rest of the season? Then you're in charge until uh, April, uh, as a minimum. Yeah. So, you know, what what are you looking to to deliver for Kidderminster in that time? Well, I've got a really good relationship with the board and the new owners and the CEO, and, and, and look, that they're fully supporting me. Um, so, really, I've I've been given the job to the end of the season, but also in mind of, of planning things for next season because. Um, Whatever the situation, I'm still going to be here next season. It's easy to say and pick a point tally, but I just want to take each game as it comes. I believe we can win every game that we go up against anybody, um, and that, that won't change in, in, in my opinion. The good old manager cliche there, Rush. You, you're doing it already. <laughs> so many cliches, mate. I've learned so many cliches in my, in my career, mate. I could, I, could, I could write a book on them, mate. It's embarrassing, really. <laughs> If all else fails, you have got your, your, your column in the non-league paper, which is it's quite an enjoyable read, where you grill ex-teammates and people like that. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to I'm gonna have to calm that down a bit now, mate. That was more of a player-to-player kind of thing, but now I'm, uh, now I'm on the other side, mate. I don't think it would go down very well. I was going to say, is that a nice little sideline, though, that you like doing as, as a bit of a sort of relaxation away from the stresses of it all? Yeah, listen, when... when when um, I was back in non-league, you know, over a decade ago, I, I, when I was with the England C setup, uh, we had a real close link with the non-league paper, and I've kept in touch with, with the journalists and the, and the writers ever since. And it was something that when I come back into non-league, when I saw the gates at a Wrexham that season, um, you know, I hooked up the relationship again, and we just went from there really. So I think it's good; it gives a different insight to how people might not perceive players as or, or managers and, and what they do on the free time. Just a bit of a um, the stresses away from the game, really. Well, we could you could certainly write a book on Kidderminster, and I'm sure you'd do a good job of it, and it'd sell well <laughs> if you did. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, Ross, best of luck, um, and thanks for joining us. No, thanks, lads. Appreciate the call.
but obviously we didn't chat that much on the on the game, Dicky. But that's uh, as you say, that was a good point up at Gateshead and a good start for us with those four points. Yes, yeah, certainly. I mean, they got they got a one nil win um, in midweek away at Farsley, which uh, isn't the easiest of places to go. Let alone when you know the weather's not fantastic. Um, but they they ground out a really good win up there, and then. Um, more travelling yesterday, um, but that, that, that actually meeting the, the two of the full-time sides that in the National League North yesterday and um, ground out a really good point away to Gateshead, who were I think just on the fringes of the playoff places. I think they might just have dropped out as a result of that yesterday, or just be on the edge. But um, yeah, it's a good point for them, and I think that the, the bedrock of that is is two clean sheets. You know, if 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 you're um, uh, a new manager in your role, which he is, then you know that that's a it, it's a really good foundation to start from, isn't it? You know, you've got a couple of clean sheets in your first two games, four points on the board, and yeah, he, he spoke about still being at Kidderminster next season. I, I can, you know, if things go well for him this season, I fully expect to see Russell Penn in charge for uh, as Kidderminster manager full time next year. And Chris, you know as well as I do, if uh, you get off to a good start as a manager. You've got two good results like that, a clean sheet. The players buy into it straight away, don't they? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, I think they've probably bought into Ross a long time ago. He's well known amongst most of the players. Um, he's obviously got some because he keeps getting his sort of caretaker jobs, if you want to, if you want to call it that. So they know him well. They've been a teammate of him, a lot of them. Um, and so I don't, I don't think there's a problem with uh, sort of buying into his, his principles whatsoever. I think Kidderminster probably will be a different um, proposition next season. You know, I, I, my feeling is that perhaps the new ownership haven't, um, you know, gone crazy on on spending any money when they've come in, um, in in the autumn, possibly based on where they were and thinking, well, you know, we could spend that money now and still not make the playoffs. So do we, do we hold on to it and and give a new manager the resources to to have a go at it in the summer? Um, and that's that's perhaps where they're going to head. The other game in the National League North that took place on Saturday was again in the North East and it was Blythe against Olchigam. Olchigam had had a fruitless trip up to the North East on Tuesday, lost 3-2 at Spennymoor, but they, they scored three goals on Saturday, got a clean sheet and poured more misery on Blythe. Yeah, they did. Um, not, you know, Blythe are, you know, staring down the barrel a bit now. I think there's something like six points behind Gloucester who are immediately above them. And Gloucester have got three games in hand on them. So if, if they start picking up points there, then Blythe are going to start to, to get stranded at the bottom of the table. Not an unexpected result yesterday, altering them in tremendous form at the moment. Uh, and two of their recent signings on the mark as well. Josh Hancock got their first goal on 20 minutes. Elliot Durrell signed for them in midweek. He'd been on a, a deal until the end of January at York City, having um, not had a club until late September time, I think. And um, then Dan Mooney, who they also brought in from Fleetwood Town in the transfer window, he added a third. I think Altrincham have, have used the uh, the money that they got from uh, John Johnston's move to Chester very well in bringing in Darrell and Mooney. I think they're an absolute certainty to be in the playoff places. And and they'll be looking to go one better than they did last year. Uh, well, more than one better. I think they, 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 they got to the um, playoff semi-finals last year. But I think Altrincham are, are certainly an upwardly mobile club at the moment. As for Blythe, you know, it's it's not looking not looking great for them. Um, they I mentioned Gloucester there. Gloucester 
supposed to be playing tomorrow night against Gateshead, one of the teams we've already mentioned, that game down at Evesham. Whether that goes ahead, we don't know, because you know, in a similar situation with Storm Kira last weekend, Gloucester's game against Kings Lynn got called off very late on the Monday. And so whether whether Gateshead will actually play tomorrow night, I'm not sure. And, and there is some fixture congestion building up in the north. I think I noticed that Kings Lynn have only played 27 games. They've still got 15 games to play, nine of them away from home and only about two months of the season left. So it's starting to stack up a little bit and whether that might be a, a factor at the top of the table, we'll have to see. Yeah, we'll be across it here on the NL Full-Time Podcast. And good review this week, Dickie. <laughs> yes, I know, comprehensive. You can do that when there's only two games. We're going to look at the National League South next. How are you? How are you really? Modern life's busy, but it's important to take care of yourself. Making small changes to your lifestyle now could improve your chances of staying healthier longer. See how you score on our How Are You quiz and get free tips and support from how to eat a little healthier to getting more active. Just search One You. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League South, the game of the day undoubtedly, Rob, was Slough and Haven. They drew there and... Uh, Paul Doswell pointed out when they won the division with Sutton, they were nine points behind. They did a Kevin Keegan a little bit by saying they've got to go to Eastbourne and they've got to go to Tunbridge. But he stopped short saying, I'd love it. But he'd have loved that comeback and the point that they got. Yeah, he would have done it. I think it was quite key for them that they didn't lose ground because, you know, there is the differential, the gap of uh, still uh, six points and, uh, for Slough and seven for Haven to, to Wilston. And obviously that result was a good one for Wilston. But the way the playoffs look now, um, you want that uh, home advantage if you're going to be in them and you want to avoid that first eliminated game. So, at the very least, haven't will want to finish where they are in third place. They're only there on goal difference. That will be their minimum expectation, I think, for this season. Um, they probably won't have given up hope of uh, catching Wilston yet, but certainly what they didn't need to do was go three points further behind Slough yesterday. They stay within one um, and all square between the sides in second and third place. And uh, probably a big winner in that one, as we say, Wilston. Yeah, and another big winner in that were Weymouth. And, and what a comeback they had. They were 2-0 down at Hampton and Richmond Borough. And uh, they'd missed a penalty early and as well through Yemi Anibadi. But they stormed back, didn't they, Rob, to claim the three points? It's quite unbelievable. Um, as we record this, I'm still trying to see if we can get a quick word with Mark Molsey, who obviously we spoke to much earlier in the season. Uh, Weymouth have stayed there, haven't they? The whole season they've stayed in that top seven. But yesterday you could forgive them for thinking it wasn't going to be their day. They were awarded a penalty and it's saved. The follow-up is stuck uh, stuck in the net by Bill Baggy, uh, but that was ruled out. And then they proceed to go two goals to nil down. And it really looked like it was going to be a wretched day for them. But they stayed in the game. Brett Williams got them back in the game just after half-time. Uh, and to be honest, they'd wrapped up the win with 16 minutes to go with a double from Brooks. Um, and, and, you know, we talk sometimes how a draw can feel like a win. Um, but that must have been one yesterday where you only got three points for it, but it probably felt like six to Mark Mosley. Yeah, they, they keep up the pressure on Slough, they'll level on points with Haven and they're only a point behind Slough, albeit they have played a game more than Slough and two more than Haven. But uh, so Slough and Haven meet in a couple of weeks' time as well, don't they? So that's going to be a, a key clash once again, the reverse fixture down 
at Haven, and they'll be praying for a draw in that. But what a job he's he's doing, considering a newly promoted Weymouth. So I think he'll be delighted with that, won't he? Yeah, I mean he's uh, long in the tooth as far as uh, being in football is concerned, so he won't be getting too far ahead of himself. But he'll be delighted that the good start they had to the season has been sustained. Uh, and I've said it in recent weeks as well, and we'll come to Dorking in a minute. Uh, what an amazing, amazing season both Weymouth and Dorking are having. Um, just below Weymouth in the table, a really solid ground out 1-0 away win for Bath City yesterday. That man, Ross, turned. Uh, he's been a good servant, hasn't he? He got the goal. Not a diff, not an easy place to go, is it, Luke? Uh, Concord they have been in uh, some mixed form themselves mm. of late, but... Uh, um, they'll obviously have one eye on the FA Trophy, the only step uh, two side still involved in that. But um, yeah, it's always a good three points if you can go to Concord and get the win and keep a clean sheet. Yeah, Bath gaining revenge for that FA Trophy defeat to Concord a couple of weeks ago. Bath, who've been out of form themselves, so as you say, Rob, a massive result for them. There was plenty of cards given out at Harden Hewish Park at both to Maidstone and they weren't at the red heart variety either. They were just red cards given out to Noah Chesmai and, and big George Elakobi. Uh, they were both in the first half as well and eventually chipping him, worn him down. Luke Haynes grabbed the vital winner in that game and managing Michael Cook was naturally delighted. He's turned it round over the last few weeks because people were calling for his head after. They didn't agree with Mark Collier going and um, Michael Cook's not coming and done uh pulled up many trees until the last couple of weeks where they picked up two vital results. Yeah, that's a huge win for Chippenham and uh, there's so much more to that game than the 1-0 scoreline. Obviously, uh, the the red mist descended over the course of just a few minutes uh, for Maidstone in the first half. Uh, Apparently quite brilliant performances from Lewington um, in the first half in goal for Maidstone and then he went off with an injury and Jake Cole came on and he denied Chippenham further goals as well. Uh, Maidstone apparently really pushing and pushing to get back in it towards the end and uh, Chippenham breaking and Cole, you know, it's unusual, isn't it, that both your goalkeepers are exceptional, um, but you still lose the game 1-0 and I guess a big part of the reason for that will have been the dismissals of Chesmain and Ella Kobe and uh, there's a bit of afters there on Twitter as well. I can't remember the name of the... um, the uh, Chippenham player that did it, but he, he said it had been a good day and a 1-0 win and uh, Ella Kobe dispatched. Yeah, said. that was it. Yeah, it was, Nat, it was Nat Jarvis on Twitter just uh, yeah, just uh, trolling a little bit, it was fair to say, <laughs> on, uh, on Twitter there, just giving George Ella Kobe a bit. It must have been a bit of a, a battle there by all accounts. Teams well ensconced in the playoffs. Darkin, uh, they recovered from their FA Trophy defeat last week and... They had a good 2-0 win over Chelmsford and, and two early goals there for Dorkin and Jake Gallagher on the score sheet, which is a rarity, and then a goal direct from a corner as well. Yeah, great to see Jake getting uh, knocked. I think he's just popped up at the right place. A little knockdown, he's uh, touched it home. Jake on the spot, really, really good to see that. Getting them underway yesterday. I think when I saw that goal go in, it made me just momentarily regret... I, I had the option. I wasn't too far away. I very nearly went to Dorking yesterday to watch that one. Ultimately, going somewhere I wasn't familiar with in in the storm did put me off. But, um, yeah, Dorking getting the game wrapped up. Uh, well, early in each half, really. And uh, then they survived the dismissal of uh, Phil Pot 
with 25 minutes to go, but uh, they saw it through. And uh, a win that keeps them, as you say, firmly established in the uh, playoff places. A little bit of a gap sort of emerging. There's four points from them in sixth down to Dartford in seventh. And then another three points down to Hampton and Richmond, of course, who uh, have been on a very, very good run themselves. And uh, and that would have been quite heartbreaking for them yesterday, being 2-0 up against Weymouth and, and, and eventually leaving the get, you know, getting no points. Yeah, I know Darren, who comes on uh, quite often from the Claret Army podcast, he wasn't too happy with Chelmsford's performance on Saturday. And it's just unravelled for them a little bit, especially since Rod Stringer has left. Uh, down at the bottom, again, really topsy-turvy day. Chippenham was second bottom before the start of last weekend. Two 1-0 wins has seen them shoot up the table. St Albans still can't pull away from that danger zone. A nil-nil draw against Oxford City. And then Tombridge and Hungerford met in the bot- battle. The bottom two teams, they drew one apiece in the end. As I mentioned earlier, Ian Herring didn't think that the game should have gone ahead with the conditions really, but he, he felt that his team should have won that. And Tombridge will feel like it's uh, two points dropped at home, although they do have games in hand. Yeah, when they got themselves a pretty early lead, Tunbridge, and uh, they looked on uh, on on track to to pull. Uh, I don't know; it would have been around about ten points clear, wouldn't it, of of, of Hungerford? I'm just doing the maths on it. Yeah, too often they'd have been on uh, nine. It would have been nine clear. Thirty-one, and Hungerford would have been on twenty-one. No. It, oh, it, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Twenty-eight yeah, would, would have been. Yeah. Been ten points. I mean, obviously, the bigger the 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 gap they'll be more concerned with Tunbridge is the gap from. 21st place to 20th, which is the difference between safety and relegation. Um, they they would have they would have been kind of joint 20th on goal difference, wouldn't they? So uh, uh, it would it would have hurt them a lot more. Um, uh, pride for Ian Herring's Hungerford not to go down to uh, one of their relegation rivals yesterday. They did come back into it, as you say, but it had desperately desperately wanted, and they needed, in fact, a winner because they are nine points from safety. You know, this is the kind of run that Adam Burgo referred to a couple of weeks ago now for Hungerford. What do they play? They play uh, 42 games, don't they, in this league? They've got 12 games left, and I think it's fair to say they're going to need to win eight of them. Yeah, Hungerford, nine points off safety, and uh, good news for everyone down there. I'm heading down to their game. They play Braintree. They're 10 points adrift of Braintree, so if they can get something... Out of that, they just dragged Braintree back into it, who who drew nil-nil against Hemel Hempstead. But I'm more intrigued about Braintree. We've not really spoken about them this season on the podcast much, or, or featured them at all. So hopefully we'll be able to get something from that from them next week. And then we'll get Ian to try and round up the National League South roundup as well. It was a bit of a weird day, was it? Apart from at the top and, and the bottom, it was just kind of the mid-table teams cancelled each other out, didn't they? Yeah, Dulwich nil, Welling United won, and uh, Welling United, they went on that miserable run, didn't they? They're, they're up to a much healthier position now, um, and uh, Dulwich Hamlet, well, they flirted with danger too, didn't they? And they pulled away a little bit, but 1-0 uh, there, the goal again, coming on quite uh, quite early on from Critchlow Noble, sealing the deal for, for, for Welling, and uh, yeah, I guess that was... Uh, you know, they're teams that are pretty much, you can say at this point, are not going up and not going down either. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's about it, I think, isn't it? I think it is. Yeah, brilliant. Excellent. Yeah, that is about it. So, uh, thanks, guys, for joining us. Rob, uh, great job today. Yeah, pleasure, as always. Uh, great pod and great to uh, listen in on the Russell Penn chat. And uh, Dickie, Chris, thanks a lot for joining us. 
Yeah, cheers, Luke. You're very welcome, Luke. Good to speak to you as always. Nice one. And don't forget to give us a follow on Twitter at an L full time. Subscribe to us as well via iTunes and Spotify. And as I say, I'm hoping to be at Hungerford versus Braintree next week, weather permitting, of course. So happy football watching, whatever you're doing, and, and stay safe in these gale conditions. Until then, thanks a lot for listening.